Chapter 8. Ruby Rugby The crowd became more visible as they approached thousands of spectators perched on stone seats, curved from the mountainside. Below them was a pitch where two opposing teams of men were playing an intense game of rugby. Alex said, Walter must have cut the pitch. It's perfect. They reached the edge of the pitch and a large man wearing a cap and fluorescent bib walked over to the eager group. Around his hips he wore a bag that rested under his large stomach. He had not fastened the zip, so many coloured paper wristbands protruded from it. Tickets, said the large man. They all pondered on this question, but before anyone could answer, the large man interrupted. It's okay, pre-traded tickets are not needed. It's free, but what we do ask is that you join in the fun. Katie smiled, clapped and said, Sure, We don't have any seats free near the pitch. The last seats are at the top. He pointed to the top of the stadium. That's so high. There are clouds up there, Alex said. I'm sorry, but it's a popular day, the ticket steward said, shrugging his shoulders. Today is the annual competition between the north and south of Festavia. Why it's so popular beats me. Why is that? I'm sure everyone likes watching men wrestle and bundle each other, Katie said, giggling. The South team has never won in a hundred seasons. Katie said, Well, maybe today will be different. We shall take our free tickets up with the clouds and birds. Mr... Gamble. Mr Gamble, I take it you've never gambled on this match before. Never risked it. Even though the odds on betting on the South team would mean betting just a bean, would mean betting just a bean, would win me enough trade to pay the bureaucrats for ten lifetimes. The bureaucrats... Do you have to give them trade? Of course, my dear. You can't be of this world if you don't know that. I'm sorry, the cat is too big to come in. It would need an entire row. Before Katie or anyone could protest, Blue replied, That's great. I need a nap, and I think that egg ball would be too hard not to chase. I'll stay here on the nice warm grass and take a nap. Everyone apart from Mr Gamble thanked Blue, He was a little nervous of having a large talking cat stay with him. Blue said, See you guys later. Oh, Mr Gamble, for me to sleep, I'll need some petting. He smiled uneasily. On behalf of the group, Wraith thanked Mr Gamble and gratefully took the free tickets. He held Katie's hand and led her past the steward and a red rope, which acted as a barrier. Katie was once again being led by Wraith. She calmly went with him, as his grip was not hard but tender. She wasn't to be told what to do, but she didn't mind being willingly led. Alec read his wristband ticket and said, Row W, seat 1001. That's quite a climb. Wraith didn't react. He just wanted to reach their seats and hatch a plan. Feeding off the crowd's excitement, Lynx and Katie eagerly looked around. Jane had never been to a rugby match before, so to get a better view, she flew high above. Lynx could not contain himself. His smile and grin had grown even larger. Guys, guys, see that flag over there? Katie was the first to spot it and answered, Yes, that flag with the two fisted hands crossing over one another. Yes, that's it. That's the flag for the main event. Ruby Rugby is a main event and we are in. This is awesome. Ruby Rugby is the jewel in Festavia's crown. Wraith, still leading Katie up the stairs, asked, Does that mean we can find something to trade entry to the finale? 
Yes, it does. The festival organiser loves mementos or objects from his event. It's almost all he accepts. We must be creative. He won't just accept anything. It must be special. Also, there is limited time to trade and he has little patience. We must offer something good and fast. So whatever we bring, it must be pucker. Pucker? asked Wraith. You know, awesome, brilliant. Right, I assume this is an earth word. I guess it is. I never thought of it. You don't get out much, do you, Bruce? Lynx cackled with laughter. Wraith ignored Lynx's last comments. He wasn't concerned to find out who Bruce was either. Taking their cold seats, she peered at the pitch, which was like a patch on a quilt of green festavia. They were very high up and the air was thin. Katie noticed that the spectators weren't taking any notice of the match. Katie was quiet. When she wasn't talking, she loved to watch people. She noticed that most of the crowd were guzzling drinks from pint-sized goblets. She saw seas of red and pink jerseys resting over large bellies and plenty of bizarre and outrageous hats. Lynx hadn't stopped talking since he'd sat down. His hyperactive chattering had become a muffled noise to Katie. She sharpened her vision and directed her listening to different members of the crowd. After a few grains of sand had fallen, she formed an opinion. No one is watching the match, Katie said in a raised, humorous voice. They're more interested in drinking and chatting. A bald man from two rows beneath looked up and jeered. It's rugby. No one comes to actually watch it. What do they do then? Alec jeered back. We get smashed! Alec's face filled with an excited and mischievous expression. He turned to Katie, expecting to see her matching him. Katie did not reciprocate. Her expression was motherly, and she said, Don't get too excited. It's only just begun, and I've heard from Jane how wobbly you can get. Jane flew and flapped around Alec's head and added her thoughts too. You have about three hours of drinking in you. Then it's just the bar holding you up. Try drinking just water. Alec was very surprised and confused about the new sudden advice. He had never had anyone care for him or even notice his habits. He smiled cheekily as if he was not a man but a naughty young boy. Katie nodded and smiled and said, Good, you'll have much more fun being sensible. Katie caught Wraith giving her a proud endearing look, so she quickly added, Sensible for now, but who knows what for later, and she winked at Alec. Wraith shook his head and continued trying to make sense of the match. The group squinted to see. They were so high up the players looked like ants scurrying after a crumb. Katie was becoming bored. She wanted to watch the game. She enjoyed watching rugby. Her dad took her to several matches after her mother died. Like a camel train, a stream of intoxicating drinks were being fed up the steps by spectators. Due to the constant supply, the crowd at the top had grown even more raucous. Sitting still during a party made Lynx restless. Wraith was frustrated as he couldn't see what could be gained to use as finale tickets. Alec and Jane were purposeless. Under Wraith's watchful eye, Katie stood up and made her way down a few steps to speak to the bald man. She approached his side, tapped his shoulder and peered down at him. He was heavily engaged in conversation to a man next to him. He turned and looked up to see Katie's silhouette shielding the sun. He smiled and said... Hello there, lady. Hello, mister. What can I do for you? Want a drink? I'm bored, but I'm not ready to drink yet. 
I was wondering how my friends and I could get closer to the game. You're too sober. And do I look like I work here? No, you don't. But I'd say you used to play once. The man who was middle-aged, wide-shouldered and quite portly flashed a smile of pride. Yes, I did. I used to play for the South, but I had to give up due to work. I couldn't manage both. Work? Ha ha, yes, my dear. Bills don't pay themselves. I thought people in Festavia didn't work. You must have some time-rich friends. Only the people in that bloody palace don't work. Those good-for-nothing self-entitled aristocrats. Oh, so you are a bureaucrat. Ha ha, no. I just pay them trade. I wasn't lucky enough to play for the North team. What's the difference? The North team are given trade in exchange for them to play all the time. Katie thanked the man and told the others that they should make their way down closer to the game. They all agreed. Climbing down many stone steps, they could not see any vacant seats. They had almost reached the last step when Lynx, the tallest, noticed row A next to the pitch was empty. Guys, guys, there! Lynx pointed frantically to the empty row. His long fingers waggled insistently in their direction. Wraith looked and noticed that the seats had red rope blocking the entrance, indicating VIP only. It's reserved. We can't sit there, Wraith said with frustration. Ha, huh, we shall see about that, Katie said. She walked up to the red rope and unhooked it from its standing pole and turned and beckoned the others to follow. She didn't need to ask Lynx. He was already sitting down with a giant grin. Wraith was hesitant about breaking a rule. With Wraith, Alec stood nervously. When he wasn't intoxicated, Alec was quite a shy man. He feared being caught and embarrassed. Katie, like a waitress with little time, raised an eyebrow which rose to quite a point, and she sassily held the rope high. Wraith knew that there was little choice but to sit down, for if they didn't, they would surely be noticed. Sitting on their new seats right next to the action, they studied the game. Lynx, on the edge of his seat, felt the matcher's emotional energy. Man, this is amazing! This team is going off, said Lynx, drumming on his thighs. Katie studied the two opposing teams and she quickly noticed why in a hundred seasons the South team hadn't won. It was because they were terrible. The arrival of a bluebird distracted Alec's nervousness and he cried. She's written back! He was so excited that he made the bird jump from his hand. Let's see then, Katie asked. Alec unwrapped the message and read for some time. She's written so much, he said, waving the paper at Katie. That's good, isn't it? That means she likes me. Katie read the creased paper. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I've got loads planned. First, I am having my hair done. Then I am meeting my friends for cake and tea in the Royal Gardens. A tailor is coming to measure me for my new dress. I'm so excited about that. My day is so busy, but I like being busy. Katie said, Hmm, yeah, it's okay. Alec was very keen to write back, but he didn't think to ask Katie for any advice because he wanted to tell the princess all about his day. Alec wrote, Hey, that sounds fun. The last few days have been manic and amazing. We've been to a fringe festival, jumped on space hoppers and partied until the morning. And now we are at Ruby Rugby, watching the match of the season. It's so fun. The bird changed from blue to grey and with a helping hand from Alec, it flew off. 
What did you write, Alec? asked Katie. I told her all about what we had done. I hope she'll be impressed. They all concentrated and watched the match. The two teams, like rutting stags, were locked in battle. The North team wore blue sweatshirts and black shorts. They threw the ball with precision. They played like a well-oiled machine. Each player knew where to stand and cooperated efficiently. They praised each other for good plays and acknowledged their own mistakes. They played freely and with instinct. It appeared as if they were telepathic. The South team wore all pink, and Katie noticed that their play was riddled with errors. They conceded many penalty points from poor concentration, and they did not work as a team. Their scrums were easily driven back. They lost possession regularly and never used their key player, the scrum half, effectively. Katie became more and more frustrated with the South team. She began to air her views publicly. The spectators around her took no notice. They were too absorbed in chatter and drinking. Come on, number nine, make a decision. Use the ten and maybe he can kick for points. Wraith seemed quite surprised by what he was hearing. You know how to play the game. Yes, and it seems I know more than them. A man who was sitting in the front row fast asleep awoke to Katie's rants. He listened patiently. The wingers lack the confidence to run and find space, she said. It's probably because their team keep playing the ball too early. Ha, 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 Lynx cackled. How do you know all this, Katie? I didn't have you down as a rugby boffin. And why not? I feel you're a party lover, and you'd be more interested in men than the game. You've just scratched the surface. I know rugby because my dad and I watched it together. He could have been a great player himself, which is rare for an Italian, she giggled. Why didn't he become great? He moved from Italy with a dream to play as a professional, but he could never fully commit to playing. His job demanded too much of his time. That's a shame. Too many people don't live their dreams. That's why I live mine every day. And what's yours, Lynx? That's obvious, isn't it? It's to party forever! Katie smiled and sat back. She had done a lot of partying in her short life, especially through university. Her second-year grades were almost a disaster. She had to work intensely in the last term to pull her grades back. It was a shame, because if she had worked studiously all year, her grades would have been outstanding. Katie had no vision for the future, so Lynx's dream was hers too. When she partied, nothing else mattered. All that mattered was the present, and the future could wait. She didn't care if the future never came, as the now was what made her happy. Katie carried on with her insightful criticism of the hapless, failing South team. Wraith was paying no interest in the match or the crowd, because he was questioning Lynx on what kind of memento they could get from the match. Alex sat nervously, very still, in a patch of sweat. A dark shadow cast over the seated group, and a voice said, Ahem, excuse me. Wraith was the first to look up, and he glared at four tall men shielding the sun. The men wore grey pinstripe suits and bowler hats, and carried briefcases and umbrellas. The tallest man who had a thin face, stiff upper lip, and greying moustache, authoritatively stomped his umbrella. Wraith respected authority, but he didn't respect self-importance. Through gritted teeth, he answered, Hello, sirs, the tallest said. You are in our seats, which I assume you haven't traded for. 
Your assumption is correct. The game is free to watch, replied Wraith. That, sir, is correct. Except for these privileged seats you have placed your undeserving bottoms on. We didn't know they were occupied. Chop, chop, hurry yourselves along. I, sir, am not a dog, and if you carry on, I'll swipe all your pretentious hats from your huge heads, Wraith said, raging with anger. Wraith? That's your name, is it not? said the smallest man from behind the huddle. They parted and the man stepped forward. He had a smirk on his face, and whilst holding his umbrella, he pointed his index finger at Wraith. Were you not taught by your mother not to point? snapped Wraith. I have no qualms pointing at a non-worker such as you or your lazy, self-indulgent friends that reside in the palace of gluttony. You all have quite a debt to pay. I have a purpose and work. I protect the palace. Ah, you work for the non-workers. Do you think that counts as contribution to the land? Wraith stood up with his hands clenched. A few members of the pinstriped huddle moved back. The smallest and the tallest of the group didn't. Instead, they both smiled and moved closer to each other. Now, now, Wraith, as we are here for pleasure, we may overlook this little outburst. If I were you, I'd remember my place, for when we finally come for the palace, as a penalty, we'll calculate the work you owe and multiply it by ten. Katie knew Wraith well enough to predict what would happen next, if the conversation was to continue. She intervened. Why are you guys even here? Watching this match is fun, and judging by how stiff you all are, boring is your thing. The bureaucrats were momentarily silenced. They fixed their eagle eyes onto her. They calculated and took stock of what they saw. Katie stood straight with her shoulders back. Her glare dismissed their self-importance, and like a beautician exfoliates dead skin, they felt their book and system wielding egos removed. Hmm, an earthling. It's a shame, but she's exempt, said the smallest. Alec, who was silenced by his embarrassment, but was now temporarily freed from his socially shy constraints, took to Katie's defence. Even if she wasn't, you wouldn't be able to catch her. She is as smart as a dolphin and as dangerous as a shark. There was a pause as both feuding groups processed Alec's remarks. Katie looked down to the end of the road to see that Alec too was standing tall, shoulders back, and she said, That's very sweet of you, even though you have just compared me to a dolphin and a fish. Before the bureaucrats could lecture once more, the man in the front row, who had not long awoken from his sleep, interjected, There with me! He had a bald head, his face was aged and chubby with deep wrinkles. Importantly, he wore a long pink coat which matched the South Teen's colours. They are, and what business have they with you and the South Team? said the tallest pompously. She is the South Team's assistant manager. Oh, really? And what about the rest of them? Look at your wristbands, he muttered, said the chubby man. The bureaucrats peered down at their pale wrists, which poked through their starched white shirt cuffs. They looked bemused and looked blankly back towards him. They say, spectator, and that's just what you are. Now get back to watching the match and mind your own business. I beg your pardon, 
said the tallest, in a very low, deep voice. It's forgiven. Now sit down, barked the man gruffly. The bureaucrats began to bicker and rant, but it fell on deaf ears, because the eccentric man was the South team manager. He got up and casually walked towards the red rope, which separated the crowd from the pitch. Once there, he called Katie and the others over. All but Katie looked surprised by this unexpected, impromptu help. Katie was used to bending rules and being treated differently. She saw separation and boundaries as not applicable to her.